you can escape art, but you can never escape design. Uh, that, that is my new favourite quote. Um, and, and they're words that belong to our next guest, a man who has been an art historian, an arts broadcaster, a curator in the visual arts, a substantial career over decades. And you might have come across his work in books, TV, radio documentaries for the BBC or exhibitions he's curated for the Royal Academy. But in early 2020 timing, uh, he dived into the world of design and became the director and CEO of the Design Museum, the UK's only dedicated national museum to all things design. And his name is Tim Marlowe and he joins us from London. Tim, hello. Greetings. Good to speak to you. I, I particularly like that quote, the, the, the inescapability yeah. of use, of design. Well, I, I try not to um, speak with the zeal of the poacher turned gamekeeper. And of course, my heart and soul remains fully with, with the visual arts. But I, I, I've got this um, curiosity now and increasing passion for design, which I mean, a lot of my friends and colleagues in the, in the art world talk about the collaborative nature of visual art and, 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 and its porosity. It's, it's true. But design is literally everywhere, good and bad. And design can't exist without a kind of collaborative network. And that's not just a, a, a creative collaboration. It needs capital. It needs entrepreneurship. It needs brands. It needs outlets and so on. It needs commission. And so however much you know, the arguments are about the hierarchy of the visual arts because design is merely functional or often functional, and then design is often seen as elitist, you know, the notion of the designer, designer objects. So design yes. gets kicked from both ends. It, it's so central to who we are and how we live and how we might live better in the future and how we might mediate our relationship with our planet that I just keep wanting to make that point. And, and it's sometimes, with, with, particularly with um, younger visitors to the, to the museum, who kind of get it anyway, but you see the kind of realisation that design really is um, for everyone and involves everyone. It isn't just this slightly detached idea that is applied to something uh, as a, I don't know, as a badge of honour or, or, a, or some, something commercial, I suppose, or a badge of, of commercial potential. The church, as you point out, is broad, but, you know, the ubiquity of design does not guarantee its quality. No, and I think the, one of the... We, we did a show at the Design um, Museum a year and a half ago that actually is going to tour. I don't want to jump the gun, but it, it may be coming somewhere near you uh, sometime in the next few, uh, few years but it was called cool. it was it was i think that's a hope but i think there are serious negotiations taking place it was called waste stage and it looked at i mean it, look, it looked at many things but the circular economy the, fu the future through material science and, and um exploration but with design and designers having in many ways holding the key to, to whether we can live sustainably in, in, in a better way with our planet but we we began the show by acknowledging that design was utterly complicit and fueled mass consumption mm -hmm. um, for what seemed good at the beginning, but now clearly for bad. And, um, and design has to own up to its responsibilities, of course. Um, uh, but design is such a, a vast concept. It's kind of nebulous in a way. There's well, so many well, parts what is, of it. What is it? But, but, what is, what is design? design yeah. What is design, Tim? <laughs> okay. Blimey. Look, it's 7 o'clock in the morning <laughs> my time. I mean, um, how long have you got? No, no. Well, no. I mean, do you know what? Design as we understand it, as I say, in, in, in the West, but since the Industrial Revolution, it, it has often been, has been mainly associated with things. Mm. And you know, uh, the, orga the organisation and the imagination and the realisation of objects and things. Design now is, we now understand it. I mean, it, it, 
town planning, placemaking, artificial intelligence. I mean, the speculative design, critical design, uh, in other words, thinking about what, how things might be. But it, it does mean something still. So I, th- I see design as a, as a series of groupings. It's like a kind of series of families, often dysfunctional. And, the, and, and so there's, you know, there is fashion, there is graphic design, there is industrial design, there is uh, digital design, there is architecture, um, and so on. You get all these things. But it's really interesting because art, again, I always make the parallel where, where, where I've come from. Where I'm still you know, partly there, but it, it, when I was programming at the Royal Academy, if I, if I, if I did exhibitions, say Ai Weiwei or the Renaissance nude or mm-hmm. um, Roman sculpture or Oceania, you know, we did a whole sort of a wonderful exhibition. Um, uh, uh, Papa in New Zealand were, were great collaborators with that. Now, those are very disparate subjects, but the core audience at the Royal Academy of you know the nearly hundred thousand friends of that organisation, they let you know what they liked and, and didn't like when in your program. But they all came to those shows a kind of leap of faith, but a kind of understanding that art with a capital A meant something. I'm not sure with design, actually, whether if you're going to come to a Ferrari show or you come to a show around sneakers or you come to a show around Wastage or you come to a show looking at Amy Winehouse through the lens of design, I'm not sure the core is anywhere near as substantial. Hmm. And so um, so design with a capital D in, in parallel is, is a more nebulous idea. But at the same time, you have all these different groups, these different tribes who are fascinated by areas of design or practitioners who are fascinated and, and engaged with particular areas of design. And, um, and, and the key for me at, at the museum now is, is there a core? Is there critical mass? I don't know. But the potential to engage with everyone and anyone or the broadest possible audiences, which all museums are talking about now, I mean, that is clearly there. So we have the opportunity, I think, and this isn't a pub for the museum, but I think those of us who are working in design, we have a massive opportunity to try and engage people culturally, creatively, socially, politically through design in ways that other, other art forms just can't. Does that mean, as, as a museum director, does that mean a, a scattergun approach which appeals to all those different camps? Or does it imply you defining some notion of, of capital D design? I think that's a really, I mean, that's a killer question and it's the one I wrestle with all the time. Uh, and I don't want scattergun, but I do want to, to grasp the opportunity that you can be very disparate in the subjects you look at through the lens of design. We just did football. And funnily enough, there's been loads of really average shows about art and football, uh, but no one's ever looked at you know the evolution of, you know, the, the, the great global game over the last 150 years through mm. the lens of design. So we have all this opportunity. But I do think the notion of design with a capital D, that somehow this creative approach to thinking and, and, uh, and realising, imagining and realising, does have some kind of core. And I think it's probably, I mean, I, th- I, think, I think the way of anchoring it in, in public consciousness is around sustainability, is around actually how, how, how can we design better uh, so that things are um, you know, less damaging, more sustainable, greater longevity, and so on. And we've we've managed to set up this thing called Future Observatory at the museum, where we are the we are the centre of fifteen design research departments in universities around the country, and <laughs> and it's just starting. And the, and the theme is 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 is, is net zero, but so. Uh, there'll be a whole range of disparate uh, researches going on. Um, um, and our role is sometimes to showcase, display, sometimes symposia, podcasts, publications. But uh, um, And so our role is not just to bring that to public consciousness, but actually put a, a design researcher or, or a, des- a young designer in contact with a business or a brand hmm. or a policymaker in local government or lobby. And actually, that's both, I think, game-changing for the idea of what a museum 
can can do or, or should be trying to do but it somehow will it, it, in in different ways people will understand that when they look at the range of different areas that researchers are looking at they'll understand that what binds it together is design and 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 um and that i hope will um will start to define a kind of core i mean i'll give you one example because yeah. it, it's it, it it's quite abstract what i'm talking about but so there is this there's a wonderful young she was architecturally trained but a, a designer researcher now called I mean, she's not global really now, but but two years ago, her name was Natsai Audrey Chiesa. She, she's founded a company called um, Faber Futures. And she has pioneered working with a, 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 the bio design department, uh, sorry, the bio labs um, at University College London. She's managed to pioneer a form of, of um, dye, microbiological dyeing that requires virtually no water. So the, the the fabric that she's able to produce, which looks like a kind of more elegant sort of version of tie-dye, is 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 doesn't require the thousands and tens of thousands of gallons of water to produce a, a relatively small amount of that material, and that, and she is I mean she's now looking at, in other areas, but that is now commercially viable material, and 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 that's the if you give that as a concrete example mm. to people, they understand the practicalities, the collaborative nature, the need of need for research and, and, and development, and then it it can have serious. You know, commercial, but also sort of social overtones, and 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 that's that's what we're looking to sit, sort of do. But but we'll be led by what the design researchers are doing, rather than saying we want you to look at, I don't know, transport or whatever. That they'll find they'll find their their interests, and we need to try and hook them up with with people that can make it you know make it make it pr- practicable or, or viable. I mean, this is this wonderful shift that you have made from from that fine art environment where notions of the future and and suggestions as to how it might be improved can can be made and they can be they can be a polemic or they can be subtle but they're sort of lost within the work they're a, a thing of the imagination of the, re, the recipient of the work in in design it is such a, a direct impact these are things which are being made to shift stuff yeah i think that's that's true although there is a, there is a, there is an area of design called speculative design or critical design people like fiona raby arabian dunn do this where they do they 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 it's, it's sort of ballard you know jg ballard ballardian sort of near mm. future imaginings of contraptions that i mean they, we've got something on, on by them we've got an exhibition around surrealism and design at the moment but surrealism up to the present and into the future and so of course there's a dali a wonderful dali may may west so you know so um sofa made of you know the lips and so on but but <laughs> the arabian dunn at the end have got these fantastic green contraptions where they've got photographs of people wearing them and I mean, they, they look, well, they look crackers. They look wonderfully surreal. But they're actually, they're, they're imagined devices for foraging for food in an urban context. You know, um, <laughs> well, if, if how the optimistic. World kind of critical mass. So, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. But, but I, and, I and, and that's a blurring. And that's a blurring from design into art. And mm. art actually sometimes has blurred and will blur into design, you know. Artists like Oliver Larson or um, uh, uh, designers like Thomas Heatherwick, those uh, Ai Weiwei, who we're making a show with next year. These are people who've worked across disciplines. But but I do I would say that art still is fundamental. It's fundamental to who we are as human beings. Um, and individual artists trying to wrestle with their place in the grand scheme of things, and by extension through empathy and our experience of it, our our place in the grand scheme of things, it matters. It matters fundamentally. You know, it defines us as humans. And in a sense. Design is how I kind of see it. I mean, and now I'm reaffirming the hierarchies I'm trying to knock down. But design and making things better through design is part of, um, of trying to realise a world where 
we can experience you know, uh, uh, the, the great capacities of the human imagination with less threat. I mean, it's art, of course, has a, a role to play in realising threat, but art is also just a kind of rumination about you know, our time on Earth and what we're going to do with it, and, that, and that's important too. It's not a luxury, it's essential, I think, to our, to our core. The museum was founded by Terence Conran, and, and of course his, his abiding conviction was, was about the necessity of making stuff, um, of, of creating objects. I mean, is that is that where the, the sort of the rubber hits the road with design that it has this 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 concrete outcome? To some extent, yeah, and that, to some extent that still applies. Terence was larger than life, visionary. I mean, a great entrepreneur, philanthropist, uh, collector, but actually a designer too. I mean, from the beginning, uh, restaurateur. He changed the changed the cultural landscape of this country. I mean, he always claimed that. Um, British sex lives were improved by him because he introduced the duvet to, to Britain, in, in, you know, in, in, in the Conrad shop. Um, but, but Terence had a very strict, strong view about the need to understand the processes of making. And I mean, I, you know, I wasn't close to him, I knew him, and he, he, and he was, he was frail in his latter years when I took on the museum. But he rang me pretty well every week, asked how things were, and actually embraced even though in the past he'd fought quite heavily against a, 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 an expansive or nebulous approach to design. Mm. I mean, he had an idea that it was around product, but he, he was generous enough and visionary enough to want to let this, this museum start to reflect and explore where, where design could go. And, and to his credit, he, he never wanted it to be called the Terence Conran Museum. It was always the Design Museum. So that's, in a sense, he, that's that's been facilitated but i think this idea about making and understanding the process of making is a really critical one for many actually now because we've become so detached from things you know the world's mediated often through screens and, and the digital and then we go into a world where we have no or, or little physical engagement with it. And, and that's really important and, and i particularly in in the uk i mean for the last 30 years we've just stripped out manufacturing and he was vehemently against that and actually there was an there's a lovely um overlap with Ai Weiwei who recently he I mean he's we, the show with him next year that we're doing which is the first big show looking at his work through the lens of design and architecture it was called Making Sense or Making Sense and um, I don't know if I can swear on your product you can always cut it out or beef it but we, we have a thing in our museum which you yeah, have a go it says designer maker user and it's this wonderful thing by the Myerscroft studio where polychromatically the word designer and then next maker and then user and it, it, that's the theme of our collection displays and we wanted way way to stand so we suggested that he stood next to maker uh, because of making sense for one of the press photographs and he started chuckling and i said to him why are you laughing Wei Wei? and he said designers aren't makers anymore and i said what are they and he said they're fuckers <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> And if you want the postscript, which you're going to have to cut out, I said, "Oh, well, what are artists?" And he said, "We're fucked." Anyway, um, I think that's a t- I think that's a t-shirt aphorism. <laughs> yes, but I think fair. to his point, I think to his, to his point, many designers don't have a sense of making. They design, imagine, and it's made elsewhere. Now, I'm not saying that you know Chippendale made his own furniture, or I'm certainly not saying you know the the, the, the great designers of the of the um, 20th century um, handmade, but they understood processes and craft and materials, and I mean, Weiwei's obsessed with that. You know, those, all those wonderful mm. um, marble pieces. Mm. These are made by, you know, Chinese craftsmen, um, uh, usually men, but uh, uh, Chinese craftspeople whose fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers also uh, understood those traditions and passed them down. And that's not nostalgia. That's keeping alive material culture rather than everything being just kind of sent off to a fabricator and sort of laser cut. 
you know, he, he and, and I think Terence had that view as well, and I, I, I subscribe to that. You know, and actually, even the digital world. I don't know about you. I'm, 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 I'm trying to understand it. My, my headspace is sort of limited, but I, I feel like I, I realize I understand so little of how the world actually functions. And you know, and I can at least start with that around me, the tangible, and understand how mm. things are made. And I think if we understand more how things are made, we probably get a, more broadly speaking better design. But on the other end of that is is probably the fact that a lot of design currently is not even done by humans. There are, there are some definite moral and ethical issues around that, but but um, I mean, and that's in a sense to be embraced and to be worked with. But how things are laser cut or how things are designed through uh, uh, you know artificial intelligence and then manifesting themselves in physical objects is still one still needs to understand something of the process of material and the process of turning material into something else. Mm. Um, but I, I I was recently in the um, at a culture summit in Abu Dhabi at the Design Museum as one of the partners. And I did a session with a robot um, who identifies as female and an artist called Ada. And I have to say, if any, if any of your listeners want to have a sort of 10 minutes of amusement, it's on the Abu Dhabi Culture Summit um, website, this interview with Ada. I mean, I had done a conversation with it before where I could go off message and it was kind of great, but chaotic, but sometimes it couldn't really answer and other times it could. So these were questions I'd submitted so that it could be better prepared i occasionally went off record or off off um, off piece with, with it and sometimes it could answer and other times it go that is complicated i will get back to you but aside from me standing on a stage with this robot who's extraordinarily um glamorously dressed and it looks like a sort of robotic dating agency <laughs> but the interaction between a human being and a robot and the way that this robot coerces me to start to treat it as human, although I am performing for an audience, you know, uh, because we're on a stage. Yeah. It's really interesting and quite frightening, too, quite frightening too. It is remarkable territory. I mean, speaking of, of, of collaborations and cooperations with the museum, you, you recently participated in a, a cross-cultural exchange with, with Australia on, on fashion and architecture. But what happened there? What, what was in that series? We're in the middle of it. It's re- honestly, it's it's really inspiring. I'm now claiming that we are the most sustainable museum because instead of sending the museum director to Australia, which I, by the way I, I, I do want, I haven't been to Australia for four <laughs> years now, but Australia's come to us. It's been wonderful. So last weekend it was mainly fashion. So we had uh, we had the wonderful Lucy McRae actually talking about w- wearable technologies in the future and this brilliant hug machine. I mean, she's an artist, designer, futuristic thinker, and then we've had all sorts. I mean, romance was born. And uh, um, uh, Tim Nickel Ford and, and Kate Louise Nickel Ford, Julie, B- so they're fashion designers, as you, you know, and I need to tell you about your own culture. Julie Bishop was great. She, she did a presentation strutting the stage as elegantly as ever, um, <laughs> talking about uh, fashion, fashion, fashion and politics. I mean, immaculately dressed and lots of images of her in different, uh, different fashion guises um, strolling the world stage. But actually... <laughs> Beautifully done, actually. I mean, there's one with her, with our disheveled ex ex prime minister. We're about four down since Boris Johnson, in my mind. Anyway, where she's wearing this tailored <laughs> trouser suit and sort of. Uh, anyway, but she she spoke really eloquently about how fashion can be not weaponized, but it's a kind of you know can be a cultural force. And and the, the how she had to deal with, in some ways, the trivialization of being you know, the minister for fashion as she was dismissed as, and she sort of embraced that, as she said, as a sort of badge of honor. Anyway, we've done what we've done we've had fashion and with artistic overlap i love sean gladwell he's um i think he's a really important artist and slightly underrated one over here but sean uh, did a session on stage too and atong atem 
also and Ramesh Mario um, uh, Nathiandran. They were they were great. So I, I'm waiting to learn more about the, the contemporary state of Australian architecture. Uh, but it, but it's actually it's been really um, heartening the numbers of people who've come to these hubs because we, we do them in the kind of salon style at the top of the museum thank you for these thoughts um, yeah tremendously fascinating territory so uh, congratulations and continue your exploration brilliant and, uh, w- and when you do the um, the reciprocal uk uh, australia hub in sydney or melbourne or where it's decided to do i look forward to seeing you we, we will indeed make you welcome and look forward to that meeting <laughs> tim thank you so much Cheers, Jonathan. Bye. Tim Marlowe, Director, CEO of London's Design Museum. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.